morning, I get to my office and discover outside my um, office door are these Tom shoes with DNA printed on it. So I felt obligated to preach in them. So that's what's happening today. So if you're wondering, what is he wearing? Uh, these are my first ever pair of Tom shoes. Um, they told me after I put them on, they said, Ethan, no, you don't wear socks with Tom's shoes. And I said, there's no way I'm going to make them stare at my hairy ankles uh, for 20 minutes. So we are wearing socks with Tom's shoes today. Um, hey, listen, uh, so glad you're here. My name's, uh, my name's Ethan Magnus. Super glad to be with you. Uh, we are kicking off a new series, uh, The DNA of F. C. It's, it's a series about who we are, uh, what makes us tick. It's a series for visitors and guests, uh, so you'll know who we are. What are you getting into? What, what's this church all about? But it's also a series for members, uh, for those who have been here a long time, so that we don't forget who we are. Uh, because as children of God, we are meant to have the DNA of Jesus. Now, before I jump into the DNA we're meant to have, a uh, couple things that I want to let you know going on. The fall, of course, as always, is crazy busy. You already heard somebody mention the gathering. Uh, make sure you're planning to be there for that, August 25th. Um, you already heard somebody mention that today is Connecting Sunday. Hopefully you got one of these booklets on the way in. I'll just tell you, if you're trying to do this Christian life alone, you are doing it wrong, okay? It's just that simple. You've got to be connected somewhere. We've got 27 pages worth of places you can connect. I, I guarantee you, we've got a group that fits your schedule, your lifestyle, your stage of life. You look through this, you get a place. If you're trying to follow Jesus alone, you are doing it wrong. It's just that simple. So get connected somewhere. That's what this booklet is for. I also got a text message just before I came up to, to make sure you know that the family fun night to kick off our children and youth stuff uh, for tonight, that is happening rain or shine. So uh, we've got already got a rain location planned. So if it's show up here anyway, and they'll, they'll send you to the right place if we get rained out of the parking lot. So that's happening rain or shine. So make sure you're here for that. All right, let's jump back in to our DNA. Uh, one of the reasons we have to stop and examine the DNA of FCC, the DNA of a Christ follower, is because if our DNA gets mutated, if it gets changed, uh, great danger can happen. Um, this is true in the natural world, right? In the natural world, DNA, we call it the building blocks of life. It's the biochemical instruction manual that tells every cell how to operate. I, I know very little about DNA, but every little thing I learn just, just amazes me. From the very moment of conception, the DNA of that one little cell contains all the instructions the body will need for every organ and your hair color and your eye color and your height. It's amazing. It directs the growth of that cell into a baby and the baby into a child and that child into a teenager, heaven forbid, and the teenager into an adult. And every stage along the way is there in the DNA from the very beginning, which is why if that DNA gets 
twisted, if that DNA gets changed, if that DNA mutates in the wrong way, bad things can happen because the DNA is the instructions for the whole body, every organ, every cell. Uh, the wrong DNA mutation can cause cancer. I was reading a Article somebody on the staff sent to me about DNA and cancer, and it says this, uh, the DNA in every cell in our body is constantly in danger of becoming damaged, sometimes because of the things we do and sometimes just by randomness. But the cells contain lots of different proteins whose job it is to repair the damaged DNA. Thanks to these proteins, the vast majority of DNA damage gets repaired immediately with no ill effects. You never even notice. But if the DNA damage occurs to the proteins that are in charge of repairing the DNA, well, the cell loses its ability to repair its own DNA, and errors build up in the genes, and over time, this can cause cancer, especially if the gene that gets damaged is the gene that controls cell multiplication. Then the multiplication of the cell gets out of control, and this is what causes a tumor. A tiny little mutation in the wrong part of your DNA strand, and soon the whole organ is unhealthy, or the whole body. I was reading about the way DNA can change, um, you know, uh, I don't know if this is common out here, but out west, um, lots of people buy Roundup-resistant corn. Uh, you plant your corn, this Roundup-resistant corn that this company called Monsanto invented, and then you can just spray your fields with Roundup and kill all the weeds, and it doesn't kill your corn. It's amazing, and it's part of why all our food's so cheap is this brilliant invention. Except about five years ago, this one farmer noticed that he sprayed his fields with Roundup and the crabgrass didn't die. He pulled some of it up and he sent it off to the lab to testing and sure enough, the crabgrass in his field had mutated. And now it wasn't just the corn that was Roundup resistant, it was the crabgrass that was Roundup resistant. So the herbicide he'd been using to protect his fields for the last 20 years didn't work anymore because the crabgrass had mutated. In fact, it's, it's, it's labeled, it's a whole new species. It's got its own little Latin name and everything, this Roundup-resistant crabgrass. That's what happens when your DNA changes. It changes a little bit, it's a tumor. It changes a whole lot, you're a whole new species. And that can happen to the church. If we're not careful, if we're not constantly looking out to preserve the true DNA of Christ in us, tumors can grow. Small changes to the DNA that grow out of control, or we can turn into an entirely new species. A church so easily, if it is not careful, can turn just into a social club. Not motivated by the values and missions of Jesus, just motivated by seeing each other every week and having a nice time. A church, if it's not careful, can turn into a group of angry warriors doing battle against their culture. Not inspired by the love of Jesus, but inspired by how different we are from them. And this can happen to us individually, too. You know, I tell you, I meet some people who think... They are followers of Christ. 
and I get to know them for a while, and I never see them make one decision because it's what God wants. Every decision they ever make is what they want. I never see them do one thing that demonstrates love for other people. Everything they do. And at some point, I just have to wonder, is it possible you're a different species than you think you are? Could the mutations have gotten so bad? Is there any Christ-like DNA left? And when I see that in somebody else, that gives me pause because if it could happen to them, it could happen to me. So periodically, we've got to go back real simply all the way to the beginning to the source, to the standard for our DNA as followers of Christ and say, what's the DNA supposed to look like? And do we have it? And for us, that's real easy. Uh, the source of the DNA is simple. The source of the DNA is Jesus. We are Jesus' people who want to live in Jesus' kingdom who want to follow Jesus as our Lord, and who want to be more like Jesus every day. Every day, we want our DNA to be a little less like our DNA and a little more like Jesus' DNA. And of course, we find out about the character, the DNA of Jesus, by going to God's Word. I was talking just recently with somebody. They were asking, they were from a different denomination, and they said, well, we follow this catechism. What catechism do you follow? And I said, we don't have anything like that because we're just trying to be like Jesus. And the Bible is the only place we know that tells us authoritatively what Jesus was like. So we just go back to the Bible, try and learn what Jesus was like. And we try to do that. Now, obviously, we can't say everything about Jesus in a short four-week series. Uh, but we can, we can address some pretty big issues. What we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at four instructions from Jesus, four commands from Jesus that, that Christians throughout all time have agreed were kind of the central four commands he gave. Two of these commands we call the great commandments, and two we call the great commission. We're going to start with the great commandments. What Jesus says is the center of the law. And for us, the first element of the DNA of First Christian Church, the first element of the DNA of our lives can be summarized in just two words. Love God. The one we're trying to learn our DNA from, Jesus, is clear that our obedience to Christ, our obedience to God, begins with these two simple words. Love God. The Gospel of Matthew tells us about one day when Jesus was being tested. All day long, experts in different fields were coming and asking Jesus questions, trying to get him to give a stupid answer so they could embarrass him in front of the people. They asked him about taxes, and they asked him about adultery, and they asked him about marriage, and they, they couldn't trick him into saying anything wrong. Finally, after he'd bested everybody else, the Pharisees came to him, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So simple. So clear. All the law summed up. Love God. And love others. Now this idea that the whole of Jewish law could be summed up into these two concepts, this was not Jesus' idea. In fact, both of these are quotes. Uh, the, The notion about neighbors, which we'll talk about next week, that's a quote from Leviticus. But the first thing he says, the first element of the DNA of a follower of Christ, the call to love God, well, he's pulling that from Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, verse 1. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, we have the Ten Commandments. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we get a summary of them. And it says this, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. There it is, there in Deuteronomy. And Jesus says, this is where our obedience begins. Love God. What's so interesting to me about that text in Deuteronomy, you may notice how Moses connects obedience to the command to love God with health in the land. Did you notice that? Obey these laws so it will go well with you, so you will live long in the land, and so will your children. And that's exactly how DNA is meant to work. When our DNA is sound, our body is healthy, and when our DNA is mutated, our body is sick. And so one of the things I just want to invite you to do, and we're going to spend a little time with this in just a minute. As I keep talking, I just want you to ask yourself this fundamental question, how healthy is my DNA right now? If they could go in and do a biopsy on my heart, would they find that the first building block of the DNA of a follower of Christ, this supreme commitment to love God, is it healthy strong, unmutated, unaffected in my life? Because here's the thing. When this part of our DNA is intact, is intact, rather, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then all the cells and all the organs of our spiritual life will develop correctly. Our whole, our work life functions in a healthy way when we love God first. Our family life functions in a healthy way when we love God first. We can navigate hobbies and sports and vacations. 
All of that we navigate in a healthy way. Time and money and scheduling, all of that can be healthy if our DNA of love God is unmutated. But when that gets twisted, when our love for God gets twisted, well, we can get a tumor. And all those other things I mentioned, family and hobbies and time and money and schedules, all those things can begin to grow out of control. And soon they take over our body and they take over our soul. And the true and genuine love for God that we were called to have is pushed aside. Jesus, you see, he doesn't just teach us, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as the core first building block of the DNA of a Christ follower. He also warns us. He warns us against dangerous mutations to this DNA. In one of his most famous sermons, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the way this part of our DNA can get threatened. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's what you'll love, he's saying. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. If you're looking at the right things, if you're seeing clearly, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, Your whole body will be full of darkness, and the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? And then in case you weren't clear what he was talking about, he says it real clear. He just just says, he's going to tell us what can happen to our DNA. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What Jesus is saying here is that our DNA is vulnerable to attack. This first principle of our DNA that we are to love God and God alone with our heart, soul, mind, and strength is vulnerable to mutation. It can so easily be twisted so that something else gets loved in place of God. He goes on in in Matthew chapter 6 to talk about how we can begin to worry. That the DNA of trusting God alone can get twisted. And we begin to trust in material things. And whenever you trust in material things, you always end up worried. Because all of us know that material things don't really cut it. Verse 31 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, So do not worry, saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If we are going to understand when our own DNA has been mutated, we must 
understand the difference between healthy DNA and unhealthy DNA. Healthy DNA toward God says this, I will seek God first. And for everything else, I'll trust God to provide. The mutation is this, I will seek God and this thing over here. I will seek God and these things over here. A little farther mutation. I will seek these things, and then with any time I have left over, I'll seek God. I'll, I'll seek this and this and this, because they're very important, and if there's, if there's extra money or extra time or extra hours or extra energy, then I'll go see if I can track down some God over here. Do you see how we just slightly mutated the DNA we're meant to have? This is what Jesus is warning us about. One little thing we love as much as God soon becomes the only thing we love and God is forgotten. One little thing we seek along with God soon becomes the first thing we seek and God is forgotten. One little worry at a time, one little desire at a time, and our DNA is lost because the first marker of the DNA of a follower of Christ and the first marker of the DNA of this church is that we choose to love God. We choose to serve God alone. We choose to love God more than any other affection we might have. We choose to put God before everything else that lays claim on our life, and we choose to worship God and worship nothing else alongside it. And Jesus who hears that desire of our heart and calls us in that direction as a church, also warns us that our DNA is always at risk. He warns us when he talks about money, but he could have talked about other things, that there, are, uh, there will always in this life be other things that call out for our love. Jesus warns us there will always be other priorities that seek to get in front of the priorities of God. And there will always be powers and people that invite us to worship them. Now, of course, when we are warned by Jesus, it's so important to recognize when Jesus identifies sin in my life and yours. He is not scolding me, and he is not scolding you. Jesus does not scold. Jesus protects. The reason Jesus speaks so clearly to how the DNA of love for God alone can be mutated is because Jesus knows that when this DNA is mutated in our lives, we are in danger of death. Because nothing else we might love can sustain us as God would. No other false god we would worship can redeem us as God does. 
No other priority we would seek or no other value we would serve can forgive us and heal us like God does. So the warning of Christ is not to scold you, but to protect you. So I want to do something with you. If you will, we're going to just... um, we're going to kind of go into a posture of prayer here. And I just want to ask a couple questions. You know how kind of sometimes when you go to the doctor and they're trying to do some diagnostic work, they'll just ask you a list of questions, and you never know which question's going to matter until you say the answer, and they're like, whoa, oh my goodness, you know. We're going to do that, except the Holy Spirit is going to be the doctor today. I just want to ask you some questions in a posture of prayer. You don't have to tell me the answer. I don't need to know the answer. Just tell God the answer. Because my hunch is that most of us are at risk today of having this little part of our DNA get mutated just a little bit, twisted just a little bit. And God wants to set it right because God wants us to have the DNA of Jesus Christ in our life. So take a minute with me. God, I just pray that as we hear these questions, your spirit would convict us where we need to be convicted. And that your Holy Spirit would draw us to where the DNA of Christ is in danger of being mutated in us so that we might be called back to health and wholeness. So with God's Holy Spirit in you, Think about these questions. When our DNA is right, we love God before everything else. So I just wonder today, what do you love the most in this life? What has your deepest affection? What are you most afraid to lose? What is so precious to you that you would sacrifice your faith to keep it? Some of you need to recognize that you love the affirmation of your friends more than you love the affirmation of God. Some of you just need to recognize that today. You would compromise your faith commitments you would compromise your morality to impress your friends. Or maybe to fit in with your family. Or maybe to impress your coworkers. Some of you would compromise your commitment to God to get a little more money or be a little more comfortable. What do you love more than God? When our DNA is right the way God designed us to be, we serve God first before anything else. So let the Spirit do some diagnostic work in your life. What do you serve first? What would your calendar say? To what God have you offered your best time, your best effort, your first hour, 
Ask yourself, what do you block off on the calendar first when you're planning your fall? What commitments will not budge? And if it isn't your commitment to God, then maybe just be honest about who you're really serving in this season. Are you serving work or sports? Are you serving school or family? Who gets your first dollar? Is it your house or your hobby or your car? Have you talked as a family or with a friend or in your small group and made a commitment We like sports, and we like travel, and we like the lake, and we like our jobs, and we want to make money, but we are going to set some limits on how much time all that stuff gets. We're going to set some boundaries because we serve God first, and God gets our best hours and our best time. When our DNA is right, we seek God before all else. So I just wonder, what do you seek most? Who do you seek first? Have you recently had the thought, if I just had blank, a better job, a better education, a better spouse, a better family, better friends, if I just had blank, everything would be fine. Is that what you're seeking first? Jesus said when our DNA is right, when we are living as followers and children of God, We seek first the kingdom. Gracious God, we believe we were meant to have the DNA of Jesus. We believe this church is meant to have the DNA of Jesus. And so we just ask your Spirit to identify in us any place that the DNA has become twisted, that mutations have started to appear, that we have begun to seek something more than God, or love something more than God, or serve anything more than God. Make that clear by your Spirit to us and call us back to our first love, to a commitment to worship, to a commitment to a community of believers around us as we seek to be your followers together. Gracious God, we desire the DNA of Jesus. Teach us to love God. Amen. Church, I invite you now to stand as we sing together our commitment. Our commitment to let God's Spirit work on us again and restore in us that DNA that God intends for us that we would be truly a people who love God.
If you need prayer today, we've got friends up here at the piano who would love to pray with you. If you are not in a spiritual community, a Sunday school class or a small group, doggone it, grab that book, go up to one of these kiosks with the balloons, and tell somebody so they can help you get connected. Nobody's meant to do this spiritual life alone. And all of us, as we sing today, let's renew our commitment to love our great and good God. Let's sing together.